On this episode of Infinity Sports, we're going to be talking about comments made by an NCAA basketball player and our feelings about those comments and about the intention behind them. That coming up right after the intro. Welcome to Infinity Sports, everybody. I'm Wayne G. I'm joined, as always, by Sully. What's up? Hey. <laughs> uh, exciting, exciting topic today. Uh, yeah, I know you're you're extremely fired up and really ready to get into this one. Um, I know the topics that bridge uh, politics and sports together. I think are your favorite topics to talk about. If I'm being honest, so probably because when I don't do this show, I do a lot of political arguing. Yeah, and I know it bleeds your two favorite favorite things, uh, you know, arguing and you know sports. So I mean, that's just what else. What else can you get, right? Well, before we jump right into it, I do want to say uh, if you are watching on the show, please like and subscribe. It's right at the button. It's a watermark on the video itself. You can click on that, or you can actually click the subscribe button. That's a little bit further below that. Helps the show out tremendously. The more subscribers we get, obviously, the better we do and the better content we can bring you. Also, it puts you in line first for the new content when it comes out because you get notified about it. If you prefer to listen to the show instead of watch it, that's cool. A lot of people do. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. And we do encourage you to reach out to us on social media. Ask us questions. Tell us what you think of the show. You can find us on Facebook at Infinity Sports Podcast, on Instagram at Infinity Sports Podcast, and on Twitter at Sports Infinity five so this topic came up because we were searching for topics i'm not gonna lie to the audience here we, we didn't know what we we're gonna talk about it's been a rough week in sports guys not a lot's happened well i'd say a rough two days <laughs> so, we uh we're trying to think of some ideas and i just started scrolling news like for whatever reason just not sports news even just regular news and this topic came up and there's a rutgers basketball player and of course of all the things i wrote down i didn't write down his name are you serious? Yeah, um, <laughs> but that's fine. We will. I'll, I'll have a screenshot by the time this airs, and you'll see him, and you'll have his name and yeah, his Twitter true. feed and all that. So he basically went to a March Madness site. The name of the Instagram account is March Madness, all one word, and it's actually an NCAA-run Instagram account. Geobaker. there you go. And he had uh, on this account, they had a picture of Baylor coach Scott Drew. And it said, basically, guys are breaking up with their longtime girlfriends to keep the bubble tight and play games. And I think, you know, they are. I mean, this is it's like the NBA bubble. You can't have people in there and they're trying to be as safe as possible. Now, he comments directly underneath it. It says, and we're still amateurs with a laughing face emoji, which then kind of there's like a little discussion underneath his comment because he's a he's a blue checkmark guy. So, you know, he comments and then you know, a bunch of people who aren't blue checkmark people just start giving their two cents. And his deleted tweet, which he got into an argument with somebody, he said, that's nothing compared to what we bring to our schools. Not even saying schools should pay players, which already happens anyway. 
but others can create their own business and make money off it. So why would an athlete not be allowed to do that? I have to sign a paper that says my name and likeness belongs to the school. Modern day slavery. And uh, that got a lot of attention. I'm sure it did. <laughs> Anytime you drop the S-bomb, you're, uh, you're asking for a lot of just attention, I think, at that point. And I mean, is he wrong? I don't think I don't he's think wrong. So. Nope. No. I don't think either of us think he's wrong. And even in his uh, apology, which, well, before we get to his apology, he'd also gotten into an argument with somebody where he had commented something to the effect of, um, you, know, you realize we are playing in a pandemic, being told to stay away from everyone we love just for y'all entertainment. But I can't sell my own jersey with my last name on it to help myself financially. That makes sense to you? And again, we're going to go over some examples because obviously the NCAA has overreached a number of times, in my opinion, aside from their ridiculous rules. But he did apologize today, came out with a comment that basically said, uh, I'm extremely grateful for Rutgers, um, extremely for, uh, grateful for the coach and whatnot. And he basically said, you see people with academic scholarships. They don't have that problem. We worked extremely hard for our scholarships. I have been working out for three hours a day since sixth grade. I feel like everyone on our team earned our scholarships, but we also earned our own name as well. That's just marketing opportunities for us that we deserve. Like I said, I'm disappointed in the word choice that I made, but I also feel like it's a discussion that needs to be made. And so I, I like that he didn't flat out just say, I'm sorry for what I said. He said, listen, I'm sorry for the choice of words, but I meant every word of what I said. Um, I actually think this young man has handled this in honestly the best way possible. Um, uh, you know, he was reactionary with his tweet. Um, where he came out and, and dropped the slavery bomb, um, but then was very um, coordinated in his apologies, like you mentioned. Uh, it, they they were they made sense in and and made sure to reiterate his point, almost saying, "Hey, look, like the whole point is, I can't make money off of my likeness. I'm being told exactly how to live, where to live, when to live." And I see no benefit in return from it other than going to school, which let's be real, like a lot of these guys, you know, I mean, that's a great return and all. But for the most part, the NCAA, we know, is winning this transaction like they make billions of dollars and these young kids don't see any of that. Well, that's really where I wanted to go with that. I had written down some statistics because we all know that I love numbers. And so I wrote down a bunch of stuff. And for starters, let's just bring up the fact that the NCAA makes over a billion dollars a year on collegiate athletics. Now, when I say it makes over a billion dollars, I want people to understand something. The NCAA does not give out a single scholarship. The NCAA does not give out a single grant or tuition. The NCAA is a private for-profit entity that makes its money overseeing the institutions who then make additional money on top of the athletics. So I think people need to understand the NCAA, they think of the NCAA as like a, a pool of like all the college's money. No, they're a private institution that sells TV rights and sells these kids for money. I truthfully don't know how the NCAA is still kind of an organization and how a lot of these teams just kind of haven't decided they can run themselves, essentially. You know what I mean? Like Texas has their own football rights. You know what I mean? Notre Dame has their own football rights. You got to stop. Um, you know, and, and I get the NCAA, you know, is, is the overseeing committee and things like that. But you're telling me that like 
like they can't figure this out themselves and they need this third party company that like you said literally takes a slice of the pie i i don't understand it i truly don't um i don't know the the sweet talking that went into this but man the guy who invented the ncaa and such like that is is a genius <laughs> I, I understand that it was a governing body that when it was originated it was a necessity because you had all these colleges you couldn't have each college having its own individual rules so if you're a kid and you go to this school you can't do this but you can if you go to this school you can't you know there's got to be kind of a set guideline for all student athletes so it was kind of a necessity but its power has become exponentially greater than it was ever supposed to be and i think at this point the ncaa is supposed to be working for the universities kind of like our senators and governors when are supposed to be working for us but they really aren't they're working for themselves and the ncaa is working for itself at this point now it does protect those schools in the sense that the ncaa makes these rules that the schools are like all right we're not the bad guy it's the ncaa doing it uh, yes but i mean that's because it is the ncaa doing it you know i understand but they're complicit they are complicit. They are 100% complicit. And, but it's because they're, a, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship. You know what I mean? Like they make plenty of money off of these kids too. And at least they offer said scholarships and offer the education. But nonetheless, like they're still, they love, I think the schools love the NCAA. Well, they do. And that's what I was saying is that the NCAA, the reason the schools won't ever rebel against the NCAA, I don't say ever because, again, I never say never or ever, but is because the NCAA does represent their interests by creating stupid rules and, and things like this. Now, when they come down on a university, obviously the university doesn't like him at that time. I think of Roger Goodell and the Patriots. Roger Goodell does a lot for every owner in the NFL, including Robert Kraft. So when he comes down on the Patriots, Yes, Robert Kraft is unhappy with the decision, but he's got to eat it because at the end of the day, you know, Goodell makes them an extra 10, 25, 50 million dollars per team. Do you liken Roger Goodell to an NCAA or do you think like how would you compare the situations of of because I'm sure the NCAA is trying to follow follow said model and instead of having a commissioner, they have a governing body. Um what do, what do you feel? I feel like the NCAA is a more powerful Roger Goodell. Which is insanely hard to believe because Roger Goodell's, I mean, arguably the most powerful man on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> because he's in charge of the most popular sport. Most, uh, most popular sport, yeah. Um, I actually agree, and, and I think that they, I, I think, kind of abuse their power in a way, too, that, that Roger Goodell does not. Now, I know Roger Goodell is known for abusing his power, but not like the NCAA is. The NCAA makes some of the weirdest and stupidest decisions on, on these punishments I've ever seen. So They're insane. And I wanted to bring up three punishments in general that I I personally have always had a problem with. And anytime I get a chance to bring them up, I do. If you've watched the show, you've know these, these you, these punishments. You should know these three. Uh, the third one maybe you aren't as familiar with. But the first one is Mike Williams, the wide receiver from USC, who, if people remember correctly, that Maurice Claret challenged the NFL rule on – the age limit and having to spend three years from your graduating class. Now that's an NFL rule. It's not an NCAA rule. So he was suing the NFL and he won. If people remember he won and the court said the NFL has to let players in that are 18 years old. And then Mike Williams declared for the NFL draft. He had just finished a sophomore year at USC, big six, six receiver, fast, big hands. And it was shattering records at USC. Yeah, like, just destroying it. Freshman and sophomore seasons were some of the best ever. And then 
an appellant court overruled the Maurice Claret thing and it went back to the NFL can do what they want because the NFL is a private entity and they can set the rules for their employment as they see, as fit. They see fit. And so then the rule got overturned. Mike Williams said, all right, well, I guess I'll go back to college then since I can't go to the NFL. And the NCAA said, ah, ah sorry, you need to just sit out a year because we're not going to let you play in college anymore. You declared for the draft. Which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Right. <laughs> and, and sitting out a year proved to hurt Mike Williams quite a bit. I mean, he was still, I think, the third overall pick. No, but, he was, but I think it hurt him personally. He was a kid that I think needed to like stay in shape. He got like out of shape, out of the football mind, things like that. I think it hurt. It didn't hurt him financially or in the draft. I think it hurt him personally, kind of thing, because he never turned out to be a great football player. Right. Um, and and I think part of that was the year off and just getting out of that mindset of football every day, kind of thing. And what bothered me about it is I understand if you have a rule that when the players declare for the draft, they can't go back to school, fine. But the fact that he declared for the draft when that rule was overturned and then when they flipped it back, he said, okay, I'll go back to school. I didn't take any money or anything. So they're like, no, no, sorry. He hired an agent. To be he fair. did hire an agent. He did hire an agent. And that's where that's where it, it cuts off. The second you hire an agent in any amateur sport, you're no longer considered an amateur and the NCAA will not let you back. However, you would think that a group of of like thoughtful men, and I say men because I'm assuming there was no women at this time. It was 2002 uh, or three or whatever year it was. Um, six, actually. Um, this group of men couldn't sit and be like, you know what? Maybe we should let one slide here because the rule changed and this poor kid, you know, got stuck in the middle. But no, the NCAA is so ridiculous and so dug in on their shit that they won't even like compromise to any like rational thought. Well, and because the NCAA, I believe, also sets guidelines on when you can declare for the draft. And that's why Mike Williams declared is because if he waited, if he said, hey, I want to wait and see how this Maurice Claret thing plays out and the trial gets to a certain point, he won't be eligible for the draft. He had to declare. Yes, he did. So it's it's just a crappy situation. And then my second one, this one is my all-time favorite, is Terrell Pryor at yes. Ohio State winning the Big Ten Championship. And, of course, the NCAA doesn't give these kids anything at all to go to school there. They give them nothing. And so the kid decides, I want to get some tattoos. Now, again, whatever. You're 18 years old at that point. You're legally allowed to get tattoos. Go get tattoos. I'm not opposed to those. But he doesn't have any money to pay for them. So what the guy at the tattoo parlor says, why don't you give me your Big Ten championship ring? And basically, I'll give you unlimited credit at the tattoo parlor. And you can get whatever you want. <laughs> and uh, that's what he does. And again, this is a ring that is his. It belongs to him. It's not university property. Like They gave it to him as a gift. And then he exchanged it for tattoos. And he got suspended, potentially kicked out of school at that point because he declared for the uh, supplemental draft. Mm -hmm. But that was the end of his career because he gave away some of his personal property. I mean, where does it end? Because it was an NCAA pro – I mean, what if he gave away a video game for some money? Like, like where does it end? Exactly. At that point, I, I mean, again, it is exactly that. Like, what – what part of his personal property is considered like legally his to give away? You know what I mean? Like, like if he had given away a toothbrush, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, because it, he is, he's a celebrity and anything is worth money. So, you know, it, it wasn't like signed at an NCAA event. It wasn't like anything. It was just his ring that he gave away. Um, ah, again, you're going to list all these and I'm not going to have any explanation for the NCAA. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, and the third one, and this is the most recent, so people may be really familiar with it, is Johnny Manziel. Uh, after his sophomore season or freshman season, whatever it was, he had a good year. He gets paid to go out to Vegas, $50,000 to sign some autographs for some guys. And 
again, he's not giving away anything. So he's just going to give away a signature. And they said, hey, for two hours, we'll give you 50 grand. Just sign some stuff. Now, eventually, I think he said, I gave it back or I didn't take the money, whatever it was. I, I doubt it. I'm sure he got the 50 grand. He should have. Yeah. But the, at the end of the day, the NCAA really went light on him, too, because he was a face of the franchise or face of NCAA football at the time. And so they suspended him for the first quarter of the first game of the season against like Buffalo State or something. Yeah. Um, but the fact of the matter is, it's his, you can't even sell your signature. Like this is your, you know who owns the signature, and this is where the slavery thing. I don't even think is that big of a hyperbole, is that the NCAA owns your signature. The NCAA can actually license you out to sign your name for their money. You can't get money for your name though. You can't get money exactly. Right. That's insane to me. That's insane to me. You, they can license you out to get yep. money from you, but you can't receive anything from that. Yep. That's the that's the biggest, and that is where the slavery hyperbole does not, you know, does give credit and and does make sense is because they legally are making money from you while they're paying you nothing. Exactly, and like I said, and you just you have no rights, you have nothing, and now I know that, and this is where I get upset is when I talk to people who are not diehard sports fans because I think most diehard sports fans hate the NCAA. Yes, but I think that the the fringe fans and below will say things. Well, they get a free education. No, they don't. They get a forced education because not only do you have to play for them and make money for them while they're whipping you, you then have to go to class and you have to get good grades, or we're not going to let you get on the field. <laughs> exactly. They also stipulate that, and I also hated the whole Reggie Bush punishment and all of that. Um, I hate like the stripping of the of the Heisman after the fact. Like that bugged the shit out of me. Um, I, I hated that punishment. Um, and and then stripping USC of their national title too. It's like, come on, get the fuck out of here. Like like nobody. Well, I, I understand. I understand that like he took something like a quarter of a million dollars or something like that. Or his family did. His parents did something like that to to move closer to the stadium or something to that effect. And they know the rules. He knows the rules. So I'm not as big on that because it's not like you know, you can't have schools giving money to players because then the schools with all the money will get all the best players while the lower schools get nothing. You know, so that it has happens to, anyway. It does, but it's not like if you just said, "Hey, open the floodgates, everyone can do whatever they want." Like all the big universities would just steal everybody. Right now, they only have so many, so many scholarships, and you know, if you're like, "Hey, well, Alabama, I can start right away," but at Ohio State, I got to sit because they have a starter at that position already. You know, that's the decided factor. Not one of these schools can give me a hundred grand. One of them can't. Yeah, but Ohio State and Alabama can both give you. Yeah, we know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know. I think they should not necessarily let the floodgates open, but I do feel like players should get paid. And and truthfully, it's going to hurt little schools because you're not going to be able to pay the players on little schools is the same you're going to pay the players on big schools, in my opinion, or at least you shouldn't. Um, like like the a Clemson quarterback named Trevor Lawrence should make more money in NCAA than the Appalachian State quarterback. Like, he just should, plain and simple. Um, now, I understand the logistics of all of that and getting all of that handled and things like that. doesn't seem like it could ever happen because it changes consistently and maybe these kids just need to sign contracts, I think. And they – I think, like, contracts should be set. Like, you can make $100,000 a year max. You know what I mean? Or $50,000 a year max, whatever they set the limit to. And then there's a 75, a 50, and a 25 or something like that. And, like, there's four runs. 
and your player has to get paid one of those or some. And you know, if your star is a quarterback, and then if he doesn't want to get that paid and sign that, he can essentially transfer and leave and go get paid at a hundred thousand somewhere else. But you only have a certain amount of hundred thousands you can give. I think that might be like a cool little way to make that happen. See, I had tried to come up with some sort of formula like that a while back and just kind of come up with an idea like, you know, in basketball, you know, the top five players get whatever for the year. And then the following year, you can reassess your top five players and rearrange the money. But it's just too complicated. Like you said, the logistics are just, you know, we're talking thousands and thousands of pages of of players. I mean, the amount of players, there's... I mean, it's insane to think about. So it's like, you know, is the and, – and especially because roster sizes are so big in, in the NCAA um, that, like, you know, are you really paying the the third-string long snapper 25 Gs a year? You know what I mean? Like, Right. It's tricky, and so that's why the, the what I came up with and, – and this is, I think, the easiest solution. One, stop making them go to class. Stop it. They can go to class if they want, but they don't have to. Secondly – Give them a check for the cost of tuition, room, and board. Let them do what they want with it. If they want to go to class, excellent. Then it's a free degree because they're choosing to go get that degree. If they decide, I don't want to spend this money on class or room and board because I'll get an apartment off campus or whatever, and then I'll just use this money for pot and video games. And <laughs> Fine. That's their money. I mean, they can do whatever they want with it. But that's that way, every player gets the same amount, which is in the case of, let's say, Rutgers, because that's the example I use, the tuition for an out-of-state uh person we'll assume all the players are out of state i'm sure some are in state let's just say they're all out of state out of state tuition at rutgers is about fifty three thousand dollars per year so give each player per semester or per year per year so give each not just each player like i'm talking football basketball give each student athlete at your university fifty three thousand dollars and let them decide if they want to be student athletes or just athletes so but then they wouldn't attend class they don't have to if they don't want to. They can if they want to. And if they do attend, their grades have nothing to do with whether or not they play. Hmm. That's their money. If they want to waste their money on an F, go for it. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, are you going to be a slave master? Are you going to drive these kids into class? No, but, no, but I mean, I, I feel like, so if you are representing a school and playing, why do you, why do you not have to attend school? You have to play on the football team or the basketball team or whatever. Okay, so if you're playing on the team, you're just you're essentially an employee. Exactly. Which is all they would be if you paid them. I mean, I'm just telling you where the money's going to come from. No, no, no. I understand. I understand. I'm just trying to understand your concept. I don't. I think obviously people would have a problem with um, athletes not being students. I think because I, name an and name an 18 year old kid that's going to choose to go to school. You know, so um, with fifty thousand dollars in his pocket. Um, so I think that may be where the problem lies. But again, I mean, I think you'd have, like Trevor Lawrence would go to school for fifty three thousand. You know. So. Well, yeah, you're gonna have kids that go come from rich areas. You know, like the Zach Wilson, right? His dad owns like JetBlue or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's he's got no need for money, so he would probably just take the fifty three grand. He could do whatever he wants with it. His parents can pay for his education if he wants to go back. He's not worried about the classes. I, I don't. The way I look at it is that's the easiest way to give these kids money is just to say, here's the money. Do what you want with it. If you want to go to class with it, you can go to class with it. You can get a degree. Then you've got a free degree. You know, and you can have people talk to these kids too, like every year. You know, at the start of every season, every team has to get into like this big room. You have counselors who say, "Listen, here's the deal. You don't have to use this money that we're about to give you for your school, but you are going to be able to get a free education with this if you do use it for school. 
and and this money is on top of their stipend too because these kids get stipends yes you know so they're getting their full tuition and their stipends because they listen if you choose to use it for classes then you just get your stipend but you're also going to get a degree and a stipend it's like this guy over here he's only coming here for one year so he's gonna take the 50k are you gonna only be here for one year mr rode the bench last year for you know eight minutes a game are you gonna be here for this year and that's it or are you gonna be here for all four if you're gonna yeah. be here for all four get your degree man that's true i mean I don't know. The, the whole non-school thing throws me off, but I think it, I mean, it does sound like it works. So I, I don't know it, it, that that one may work. I actually like my idea too, though. So, uh, because then I think it allows more of like an NFL feel where there'll be a, like a free agency almost. Um, I think it's, it's just more complicated. Yeah, I think it, it could be. Um, but again, it, 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 it's definitely more complicated, but I, I think it allows for more, like I, I think parody and also allows like like again you'll never convince me that Trevor Lawrence should not make more than the captain of the swim team well, like I know they're both student athletes and they're both going to get 53 G's but Trevor Lawrence produces billions of dollars when this swimmer does not so my question for you is this though which is you say it creates parody. I think my way creates a little bit more parody in the sense that, okay, so I'm the valedictorian in my high school and I'm a star quarterback, right? Now I can go to Alabama to be the quarterback there for $53,000, or I can go to Harvard for $125,000 a year. Why would it be one twenty five? Because that's how much it costs for tuition at Harvard. Oh. You're getting paid your tuition. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but then you're losing out on all the extra money you'd make in the NFL draft. Not necessarily, because then schools like Harvard and Yale become kind of powerhouses in a way. See, but Harvard and Yale wouldn't because they're not going to let anybody that doesn't have a GPA or doesn't go to class. There are a lot of five-star recruits who are valedictorians and salutatorians. Um, I would beg to guess that that's maybe 10% of the player pool, if that. Okay, if well... That. And the player pool, so let's call it 5%. So the, the player pool is what, 2,000 players? So 5% is 100 guys. 100 guys split up in the Ivy League? I mean, yeah, but they're not, the, the valedictorians and pseudedictorians are not the best athletes. I'm, tell, like, I'm telling you, they're just not. Like, they're not. And not to be like that guy, but most of these kids that are, are really incredibly good are not going to school and not winning the valedictorian they're just well, not and i think well, you're what not an incentive to do so. so but but is it yeah because then again those schools i'm telling you a harvard and a yale will force you to go to school they will not relinquish their requirements if you have to go to school so you're just getting their tuition and then you're going to be forced to pay it to go to school because a harvard and a, and a yale are not going to relinquish their their I don't even know what you, their stigma of being a let's, elitist. Yeah, let's call it morality. Their, yeah, their morality, morality of saying, hey, look, we're, we're a, 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 a institution first. And, well, here, and, and I think that's where it differs. And here's a fact. And this is a fact of life. And it doesn't matter whether you're Harvard. And it doesn't matter whether you're Caltech Fullerton. Okay. <laughs> what is more valuable, morality or money? In the United States. In the United States, it's money. 
and Harvard is in the United States. And so I think if you can sell Harvard on Alabama kind of money for their athletics program, there's they have kids that are going there on full scholarship to be scientists, kids that are going to be doctors and lawyers. What do they care if 53 kids in their 45,000 student population is just there to play sports? Yeah, but it's not. Again, it trickled down to every sport at this point. Yeah. But you, how, that's how many, not just fifty-three kids. Then that's that's okay. sixty kids. That's eighty kids on the football team. That's that's twenty kids on both basketball teams. That's sure. both soccer teams. That's that's a lot of kids. So they're just supposed to give away all of. And for one, Harvard and Yale are two of the hardest schools to get into to begin with. The the, right. the scholarships that they limit. So they're going to now give away more scholarships scholarships because of this yeah. tuition money and not give as many to what doctors and lawyers and things you can give the same number no you can't because they're not giving as many full scholarships to kids in athletics they give more to people in in you science programs are still like under that. the impression that these kids scholarships come out of the tuition money it comes out of the athletics department okay so then the athletic the harvard athletic department doesn't make jack shit where not they right not department? right away it's it's a long con right i mean alabama's does so if harvard becomes competitive with alabama then they but it, i don't know i i think you're i think you're you're off on this one i don't think so i think 100 grand is more enticing than 50 grand especially to a stupid 18 year old who doesn't care yeah. I don't think, but he does care because he would have to care four years before that because he'd have to be a valedictorian and of right. have sixteen hundred on his SATs there's, just to even get into Harvard. There's no rule that can go into effect that will be immediately impactful. You have to, it's going to take time to steamroll out. But once it does, I give it ten years. After ten years, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Brown, Penn, those schools become football, basketball, baseball. Maybe not even football. Maybe Penn says, "Listen, we want to invest our money in the basketball team." I want you to this week. I want you to to next week's show to find me the last five star recruit that was a valedictorian. Okay. I Should bet you. I bet you there. I bet you it will be harder than you think. I don't think it will be because I know, like in my high school, the best basketball player that we ever had that had a fourteen year NBA career and won multiple championships in the NBA was our salutatorian. Cool. I know that. I know that Tim Duncan was the valedictorian. Cool. I know that not a single NFL football player I can name was a valedictorian. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, sweet. He wasn't a five-star recruit at all. No, he played at Harvard for free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like these, like, I, and again, not to be that guy, but like you know, these kids are most of the time from inner cities and and things like that. Like the best athletes and and things like that just are. So now I understand there's exceptions. There's guys like, like I'm sure Trevor Lawrence won a valedictorian. Truthfully, I'm sure he probably fucking did. Um, he just seems like that guy. Like he does. Um, but I mean, like beyond that, like like find me the the last five star cornerback or the five star the last five star wide receiver. That that won a valedictorian. I think that would be extremely hard. That's that's essentially all I'm saying. I don't think the player pool would be big enough for for a team like Harvard to ever compete. Well, and before we let you go, because we are towards the end of the show, I did want to throw a few more numbers out there that we didn't get to. Just for anybody who's still on the fence, who doesn't think that the NCAA and the NCAA programs are villains, okay? People will be like, well, if you give all these scholarships away in checks or whatever like it the schools can't afford it especially because you figure a lot of these kids aren't on full scholarship a lot of them are on partial scholarships or no scholarships i mean your swim team like you said the swim team might not have any scholarship players yeah, they probably have two but, but i'm saying give every single player that's a student athlete their money 
and you're trying like, well, where is the school going to come up with that money? I'm going to give you some examples here. Ohio State, their athletics, their athletics department makes two hundred and twenty-eight million dollars per year. That's and they have one thousand and thirty-eight student athletes at the university. That means that each athlete at their university generates two hundred and nineteen thousand dollars a year for Ohio State. How much is their tuition? Fifty-one thousand dollars a year. So they generate four times the tuition every year. They can afford to pay every student athlete. And that's not even taking the NCAA and their billion dollars and nothing they give out. I'm just talking about Ohio State. Now let's take a look at Ohio State's tuition, right? Because let's say it did come out of the tuition budget. Ohio State makes $2.5 billion a year in tuition alone. They also have a $5 billion endowment from their people who give them money. They also have state funds of $500 million that the state gives them because they're a state-run school. So Ohio State is not hurting for the $35 million in scholarships that they would be giving out. My argument to that would be of the $250 million that the um, athletic department makes, how much of that is from just football and basketball? Yeah, it's not evenly divided, but I'm saying that to make it fair, every athlete gets the same amount. Is that fair, though? Yeah, if you're going to give him a scholarship anyways. But is it fair then to the point that, that this guy is busting his ass and making the school so much more money while this person then benefits by not making Yes, because anymore? it's already doing that. It's already doing that. The, the top golfer at Ohio State, who nobody knows his name, he's getting a full $50,000 scholarship. So is their quarterback, Justin Fields. So why not just give them the cash? Now you want to give him less cash because he plays golf? Yeah. And I want to give the I want to give the more to Justin Fields because he plays the more important sport. I say make it across the board. They get their scholarship money. It's nice and easy. It's clean. Well, it's easy, but it's not clean. Like you think it's clean, but it's not. Like you're never going to tell the the star quarterback of a, of a university that he should be getting paid as much as the fourth string long snapper. But he you're, already that's is. That's why it's get, clean. Yeah, he already is, but he already feels like he's underpaid. Okay, well, now you're going to get cash, so it's going to kind of ease that wound for a little but bit. But it's not easing the wound because he's still going to look at that other guy getting the same amount of money doing no work. Like, it's, it, I'm telling no. you. That, How would you say the number one golfer at Ohio State's doing I no work? I didn't say the number one golfer. I said the fourth string long snapper is going to oh, get okay. the same amount of money as the star quarterback on the team. And that's never going to work. That's never going to work. But I athletes understand. need to understand that the fourth string long snapper at Ohio State would be the starting guard at Cal State. <laughs> no, I, I just mean more of like, again, it's, it's having now Justin Fields buy into the fact that he should be getting paid the same amount as me, essentially, the, the towel boy. You know, like is not on the team, but no, I know, but you know what I mean. Like, it, it, I think that's where a problem would arise. To I get it; it sounds clean and easy, but I think it takes a little more than that. Well, that's what I got. I hopefully we convinced you if you were against the whole idea. But these players should be getting paid somehow, some way, something. And the NCAA needs to keep their stupid one billion dollars in, zero dollars out nose out of all the college sports. You heard him. He said it. What's up? That said, if I was all these college institutions, I'd look at the NCAA, and what would I say to him, Kenny? 